We've come to that part of our service where we uh, read and reflect upon God's Word. And we have um, a special treat for you all. Um, our assistant pastor, Lyndon Jost, will be preaching for us. Uh, this is his uh, final uh, sermon as a Grace Toronto participant. He has, um, uh, Presbytery has has uh, released, we have asked Presbytery to uh, transfer his call, as it were, uh, to uh, Christ Church Toronto, our church plant in the East End. Lyndon has been ministering in the East End since he has been with us for over eight years. It has been a terrific time. And we'll talk a little bit more about how wonderful uh, Lyndon is. But right now, what I want you to do is I want you to take your phones and instead of texting Q&A questions for Lyndon from the text, text encouragements to Lyndon, uh, to our phone. So you will see uh, the Q&A number there, but we'd love for you, you, you can be anonymous or you can put your name to it, it doesn't matter, but he will get to read those encouragements. So take some time during the sermon to do that. We would really appreciate that. And Lyndon has actually asked to be the one who reads his own scripture reading. So Lyndon, if you go up, if you don't mind, I'm going to pray for the word now. Father, I thank you. I praise you for my, my brother, my fellow servant in the ministry. I thank you for his ministry with us. I thank you for the great gifts you've given him. I thank you now for the opportunity to hear from him. May your spirit come and take this child of yours and make him be so filled with your spirit that he will preach and proclaim your word, that we would reflect more deeply your son. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Good morning. Our scripture reading this morning is from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 8 and 11 through 12. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son, in whom he delights. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, as we approach this morning together, another passage through the book of Proverbs, a book about wisdom, and as I've prepared to speak with you all about this topic of wisdom, I've become woefully aware of my inadequacies on such a topic. There is a lot I don't know. 
much about life that I know little uh, about. Um, it's difficult to navigate all the things of life in this world. And uh, with the recent passing of my own dad uh, two months ago and the passing of a grandmother just a month ago, um, life has begun to feel a little more fragile than it did before. A little more complicated. The world is not an easy place to navigate. How does one live and die well in this life? How does one suffer well under the mighty hand of God? How does one mourn well? These are some of the questions that have been on my mind lately. And then, of course, there's the day-to-day experiences, the day-to-day decisions of how to spend our time, how to engage social issues, how to engage social media, how to raise our kids, how to cultivate happy and healthy relationships, marriages. Um, Never mind all the concerns of work and politics. We need wisdom. We need wisdom. And in fact, the Bible tells us that wisdom is what we need more than anything. More than anything. Wisdom is described in the Bible as the beginning of all God's works, to be prized above every other possession, more than silver and gold, more than long life and security. And some of you will remember the story about King Solomon. God tells him, ask me for anything, and he asks for wisdom, for discernment, to be able to lead this great people Israel. And God's response is that with wisdom, with granting wisdom, he will then give him all other things. God was pleased with Solomon's request, his request for wisdom. We need wisdom, we find, in the Bible more than anything. And perhaps with something of a new felt urgency in our own day. And the good news this morning is that here in this text, in the text that we've just read, we are offered tried and tested instruction and wisdom from a father to a son, from the great instructor of Israel, King Solomon, who sits us down this morning, as it were, for a fatherly conversation on this Father's Day. He speaks to us as a father to his child, saying, My son, my daughter, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. My son, my daughter, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. Solomon is about to offer several commandments, several words of instructions in what follows. And what we're going to do together this morning is zero in on two of these, two words that instruct us in the straight path of wisdom. Be marked by love and trust in the Lord. First, be marked by love. And second, trust in the Lord. We'll look at verse 3. 
Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Steadfast love and faithfulness bound to our necks and inscribed on our hearts. Steadfast love and faithfulness to shape us and make us what we are. What are those things that shape you, anchor you, motivate you, give you power to live? What's bound around your neck, written on your heart? Uh, There was a young man who I became close with in a former youth ministry who had had a very difficult childhood, a very challenging childhood, passed from group home to group home, foster parent to foster parent, never rooted in the love of his father or his mother. And you could see these things, the way that they shaped him. You could hear it if you listened. You could read it if you paid attention, some, something of what was inscribed on his heart. A deep need to prove himself, to find belonging somewhere with someone. A deep need to know that despite his own failures and brokenness, despite all of the trouble he'd experienced and the trouble that he would cause, that he was loved steadfastly, faithfully. And are we so different? Do we need any less? Perhaps you're here and you didn't grow up in such an unstable environment, or maybe you did. In any case, whoever you are, wherever you're from, the question that we're addressed with this morning is this. What's been inscribed on your heart? What are those stories that you're believing about yourself? What are the things that shape how you live, the decisions that you make day to day. What are those words that play back in your mind when you look in the mirror? Those words that play in your mind on your way to work or when you're alone on a Friday night? Maybe you too believe that you're not good enough, not deserving of love. Maybe you too believe that your worth is based on your performance, your looks, your success. See, whatever it is, it turns out that all of us, all of us, if we're honest with ourselves, have hearts that are broken and inscribed with the wrong kinds of stories, the wrong kinds of things that shape our lives and our actions. And the path of wisdom this morning, the path of wisdom offers us a better word, Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you, we're told. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Steadfast love and faithfulness. What does it mean to be marked by steadfast love and faithfulness? Well, we need to be clear here. This is not a modern piece of self-help advice. It's not simply saying to let love be your guide or to be full of good feelings such that you'll be led into the way of wisdom or to just try and be more loving. And if you could just be more loving, then you'll be led into the path of wisdom. No, 
Instead, here we're called to something more specific. This call to not let steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. This is something more specific, something stronger. We're called to have steadfast love and faithfulness bound to our bodies and inscribed on our hearts. Steadfast love, chesed. It is a strong word, a Hebrew word used to describe most centrally God's own committed steadfast love for his people. It's often used to describe Marital love, the love of a, fa- of a husband for his bride. It brings together notions of passionate love with steadfast and strong commitment, chesed. And it's often accompanied in the Hebrew scriptures with this other word, emet, meaning truth or faithfulness or firmness. This is a strong and a steadfast love. It is Nothing less than the covenant love of God. Let not this steadfast covenant love of God forsake you, we're being told. Bind it around your neck. Inscribe it on your heart when you're feeling lonely. When you're feeling anxious. When you're feeling not good enough. Let this love anchor you. Let it speak the truth to you about who you are and who you're loved by. Why? Well, because wisdom knows that what's on our neck by nature is not this steadfast love. Wisdom knows what's already been inscribed on our hearts by default. The heart of the man is desperately wicked, we're told by the prophet Jeremiah. Who can know it, he writes. We are a sinful and broken people. This is who we are. We stand in need of new and better things to be inscribed on our hearts. And so, again we ask, what's been written on your heart? What's been bound around your neck? What are those things that most shape you, move you, motivate you in this life? Those things that you believe most deeply about yourself? Well, I'll tell you something of what's been on my neck these days. But if I'm honest, it's been something of a low-grade anxiety. Rooted, as far as I can tell, in the kinds of things I'm talking about. Distorted beliefs about self. Distorted beliefs about my God. Probably thinking and believing that my worth is all too tied up with my performance, my success, acceptance. And all of this is symptomatic, King Solomon suggests, of what's been inscribed on my heart, what's been bound around my neck. And what is it for you? Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. What wisdom tells us, what wisdom knows this morning, is that we are lost without being rooted in love, that we need to be grounded in a steadfast love. And this morning, wisdom calls out to each of you, to each of us, and says, stop looking to be grounded in all the wrong places. Stop looking 
to be loved and accepted in all the wrong places. You who need to be loved, hear this. You've already been loved that way. That God, your maker, your heavenly father, has already loved you with a steadfast, immovable, unshakable love. And even though you've turned from him in all kinds of ways every day, that he, even today, is calling you back, offering you a place at his table, cleaned up, forgiven, and welcomed home. Be anchored in this love, the steadfast love of God. This is the way of wisdom. Be marked by love. Second, trust in the Lord. We'll look at verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. A familiar verse to many of us, I think. What does it mean, though, to trust in the Lord with all your heart? Maybe it means something like, those who really trust in the Lord can stand back and watch while God works out all the details of our lives for us. Something like, let go and let God. You might have heard that saying before. That when you're not sure what to decide, you make no decision and call it waiting on the Lord and trust the Lord to work it all out for you. That when you get into a conflict at work, you remain quiet, trusting the Lord to work it out for you. And I want to say, that's not trusting God. (laughs) That's not trusting God. That when we're told here to trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, that this is no call to passive living, but to active, faithful obedience, to take steps of faith, believing that what God says is true and that you can count on it. You can base your life on it. You can trust God's words and God's ways more than you can trust anything that you see with your eyes or feel with your hands. And this invitation to trust him and to not lean on your own understanding, or as it later says in our passage, to be not wise in your own eyes, it has many implications for us. It is, first of all, a word of comfort to those in need. For those of you facing illness, the loss of a job, a family crisis, the Lord would invite you this morning, in the midst of your pain and confusion, to trust him, to trust him, to trust in the Lord with all your heart, to not lean on your own understanding, to acknowledge him even in the midst of your pain even in the midst of your loss, and to trust, to trust that in the midst of it, he is near and even making straight paths for you. To spouses, perhaps you find yourself in a difficult season of marriage. Maybe you're even wondering whether you married the right person. (laughs) You're just so different. You can't seem to get through a day without getting into it. Well, you too 
even through your own challenges, are invited this morning to trust him. To trust that what God has said about you is true, even about your marriage, that the two before God have become one flesh, and that you're invited then to trust him and to walk through it with him. And remember, as I've said, that trusting him is not a passive act. It doesn't mean to be silently content in your situation. That would be a terrible misreading of what this call is saying. This is not what it means to trust the Lord with all your heart. I've said it before. Someone will say to me, I'm in a difficult situation at work or in a difficult relationship. And I'll say, well, how's that going for you? You know, what are you doing about it? Well, I'm just trusting the Lord. Well, are you doing anything about it? Are you taking any steps to rectify the situation? Are you confronting the wrong that you see happening? Are you speaking truth in love? Are you obeying the Lord, walking in obedience to him and trusting him on the way? Well, um, th- they may respond and say, I'm just trusting the Lord, keeping silent. Um, it would be too worrisome for me to actually address this. And I would say that that's not trusting the Lord and that there are other names for it. One might be cowardice. One might be pride. Or living in fear and allowing worry to get the best of us. Taking the easy road. Because to trust in the Lord with all your heart is to do what God has said. Trusting that he's with you even as you walk through difficult circumstances and do difficult things as you live a life of integrity and truthfulness and faithfulness, that God's promise to you is that as you trust him and move out into the world in ways to honor him, believing him, believing that what he said is true, that God is committed to you as you do this. He's committed to you as you trust him. He's committed to making straight your paths. So to drill down a little bit more here, For those of you experiencing conflict, whether that's in your marriage or with a brother or sister in Christ, to trust the Lord will mean faithfully, in obedience to what God has said, working through those challenges. Um, Many of you will know that Jesus has things to say about how to address conflict. You can find it and read it in Matthew 18 later today. That if you have something against a brother, a sister, or a spouse, if they're not hearing you, Your instruction is to bring another along with you into that, to address this with them. And if they won't listen, still, you bring it to the elders of the church, Jesus says. And it would be misguided to think that Jesus' instructions on conflict are only reserved to the most severe of cases. That's not true. Whether severe or small, if you have something against your brother, we're told, Trust the Lord. Take a step, address it, get help, and trust the Lord. Don't fall back in fear. Don't lean on your own understanding, justifying why not to do it. But in this way, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths.
Now, of course, that's just one example. Trust in the Lord with all your heart goes far beyond just dealing with conflict. Uh, Will we trust the Lord? Will we trust God with what he says about our money, our finances, instructing us to be generous? Will we trust God with what he says about our sexuality, that he's made us, male and female, in his image, with sex to be enjoyed in the context of that one flesh union, in the context of marriage? Will you trust God when you're faced with a challenge at work, where obedience to the Lord will cost you? Will you trust God when you know that you need to end a relationship? but don't want to be lonely again. Will you trust the Lord? Will you lean not on your own understanding? Will you be not wise in your own eyes? Of course, we could go on about the many ways the scriptures offer us a different and often opposing life and worldview in juxtaposition to our culture. And at every point, though, the call will be the same, to trust in the Lord more than in your own understanding. Now, I should be clear here that this is not an easy call. And that if I'm honest with myself about this call to trust the Lord with all my heart, to lean not on my own understanding, uh, that's not something I really want to do. (laughs) I'd rather not. I'd rather uh, lean on my own understanding. Thank you very much. I'd prefer to join in with the chorus of our culture and fit in with popular opinion about everything. Take the easy road. But here I'm called, and we together are called, away from all such self-dependence, away from being wise in our own eyes, and instead called to fear the Lord, to fear the Lord more than we fear men, to fear the Lord, and to turn away from evil. Which is perhaps why at the end of this section, after calling us to trust in the Lord, we're also told in verses 11 and 12, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father the son in whom he delights. Here, we find that we're not only called to trust in the Lord through good times and happy times, but even through suffering. And I want to be careful here, uh, as I'm aware that many of you, many of us in this room, have experienced a long year or year and a half. Uh, Many have experienced a a lot of challenges, a lot of challenges in this season. But the God of Israel, your God and my God, invites us to recognize, even through our suffering, his own discipline, his own teaching, his training, his reproof. He is a father, after all, training his children, training you and training me. And even through your pain, He has a word for you this morning. My son, my daughter, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves. As a father, the child in whom he delights. In the great mystery of God, 
here in this passage, we find that our God is a God who has determined to use all the broken pieces of our lives, all the broken pieces of our world, and to train us with them, to shape us with them, to mold us and to make us as he is, holy, reflecting his image. And I can't tell you why. Why he does this. Why he so disciplines us through the sufferings that we experience. I can't tell you why. Because I don't understand it. This is one area where I feel I don't even have the option of leaning on my own understanding. But through our sorrow and pain, this is what God says he's doing in love for us. He's confronting and correcting. He's burning away the impurities of our souls, even as through fire, and all for our good. This morning we've considered two instructions from King Solomon which will place us on the path of wisdom. Be marked by love, by the steadfast love of God for us. And secondly, trust in the Lord. But the reality is, who can do these things? Who can so be marked by love as to live life with perfection? Or anything close to it. Who can so trust in the Lord with all their heart so as to overcome every anxiety and fear? The truth is, I fail. We fail to do these things. And the good news this morning is that Jesus has not failed in any of these things. That Jesus instead has fulfilled all of these things. Jesus the one who bound steadfast love and faithfulness around his neck, had them inscribed on his heart. Jesus, who didn't forsake God's teaching, his ways, his plans, but said, even unto death, yet not my will but yours be done. Jesus, who trusted in the Lord with all his heart, leaned not on his own understanding, but even endured the cross. Jesus, has made for us a straight path, a path that led him on the way to a hill to be crucified for our sins, that we might be forgiven. I made a bold statement at the beginning of today's sermon that wisdom is what we need more than anything. And in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, wisdom, we find, is given a new name. His name is Jesus. He is the way. Follow him. With steadfast love bound around your neck and inscribed on your heart and trusting in the Lord with all that you got. Amen.